0: Yeah, y'all related to that, didn't you? Also, the ones that clean off the pacifier, that's the ones who have more than one child. The first time you boil that passy, you know, and then the second child, you just kind of brush it off. And third child, you just pick it up and give it to them because you're tired of going there. Um, In in Stormy O'Martian's book, The Power of a Praying Husband, I read this several years ago with a bunch of men. And they, she did this survey of women, and they found out that that women voted motherhood as one of their top three needs for prayer, right behind their spirits and their emotions. They need help. They need God's help uh, in motherhood. And um, they need to find a, a balance between being a wife and a mother. And, and really, it's not even... She feels guilty that she can't strike that balance because the women said, Stormy says this... Um, they feel guilty about neglecting her husband or her children, and it's not even an issue of equal time because there is no way that a self-sufficient husband is going to get equal time with a child who can't do anything for himself or herself. Um, Part of the deal is that motherhood, by definition, is full-time caring, 24-7. And did any of you take a class on being moms before you were a mom, right? Nobody? This is on-the-job training. That's the only way you get it. Um, you've probably heard of the book. How many of you heard of the book and like that book, Love You Forever? You know what book I'm talking about? It's where the mom says, uh, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always, as long as I'm living my baby, you'll be. Well, in the book, it demonstrates the power love has to be reproduced in the children who come after you, those people we love the most. So the mom holds her newborn, and she sings the song, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always, as long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. Sometimes she feels like her boy is driving her crazy, but she still sings this song, I'll, like you for, I'll love you for all, forever, I'll like you for always. Sometimes she wants to sell him to the zoo, but she still sings the song. Sometimes she feels like she's living in a zoo, certainly with six boys, you feel like that. And, and you may be, because they may bring everything. I saw a picture on, on Facebook, uh, this one mom, she has three boys, and she said anything that's living in the neighborhood at some point gets in the house. It doesn't matter, insects, you know, uh, animals, anything. Um, when, a boy, when the boy is grown and gone, and she's old and sick, he comes to visit her, and she starts to sing the song, but she can't finish the song. And so what does her son do? He does the only thing that he knows to do. He does what he's seen his mom do his whole life. He finishes the song. He holds her and he sings the song. He says, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my mommy you'll be. I don't know a mom who doesn't like this book. Because it talks about what happens when we model in front of our children self-sacrificing love. Somehow through the years... It may take a while, but they get it and they start to do what they've seen you do, moms. So, so I'm, just t- I'm telling you to, to hold on to hang in there because eventually it's going to be worth it. Now today we're going to talk about what we see as the, the, the most intangible or the things that we appreciate the most about sweet mamas. So we're going to talk about sweet mamas for a few minutes and then we're going to get out of here so that y'all can get to the restaurant. My mom told me yesterday, see, for the last four years, my wife has actually cooked for my mom on Mother's Day. And so I'm talking to my mom last night, and she said, you will take your wife out for lunch tomorrow. And I said, yes, ma'am, I will. And then I tell her, "I want to." she said, I don't want to go anywhere. She said, let's just call something in. I said, okay, wherever. You tell me, we'll call it in. And then last night, this is just my wife, is part of what I appreciate about her. Last night, she's looking at the sale ads, and she goes, hey, you know that, that uh, fajita meat that we like so much? brookshire's has it on sale and you get a lot of free stuff so instead of buying something why don't you buy that and it's already cooked and we love it and we're just gonna have so we're gonna go buy that so she can get all the free stuff and then we're gonna heat up her lunch and that's just my wife sweet mamas here's number one sweet mamas are invaluable your to-do list is a mile long every day right and, and do you ever feel, let me just see a list of hands, and it's, this is okay today. You can say this today, and guys aren't going to be offended today. How many of you ever feel like some of the stuff you do for your husband and for your family goes unnoticed? Well, in this video, you'll see an, a bureau of unnoticed acts start to take notice. Watch this.
1: Box for you to sign for? Great, just put it right there. What uh what is it you guys do? You don't know? Uh, know what? Of course you don't know. I guess that's the point of all this. I'm sorry, you you lost me. We monitor and collect. Every unnoticed service, sacrifice, or deed that moms do for their families. Oh, please. Melissa Richardson from Franklin, Ohio, just cleaned Sam and Charlie's room. Neither will notice. What? That just happened? Uh, four minutes ago. Where did she get that information? Well, I'm not really allowed to say, but you know, here and there. Okay. <laughs> Here comes another one. Sarah Pfeiffer from Long Beach, California. Just made her 100th lunch in a row without a thank you, Mom. Haley Cobb from Jefferson, Texas. Just did her daughter's forgotten chore milking the goat. Gross. And last but not least, Jennifer Wright cleaned the whole house top to bottom, and her husband didn't notice. Up, oh, and we have video. You have video? Check it out. Hmm. Hey, babe. Hey. How was your day? Pretty busy. Oh, yeah? What do you think? What do I think about what? Hang on. I gotta get this. McGuire! <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> he didn't even notice. So, do you do this for dads as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just It's just a smaller division. Dads don't do good things for their kids? Oh, no, 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 no. They do lots of good things. It's just moms do an exorbitant amount of unnoticed things. So how many people do what you do? Well, this office has three shifts, eight hours a shift, so three of us. Twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. That's it. So you probably run into a lot of unnoticed acts. And that's just this office. There are over 5,000 offices worldwide doing exactly what we do. They just keep coming in today. (laughs) Treated and bandaged to skin me. We see this one a lot. It's unbelievable.
2: I wonder if any of my moms are in there. What's your full name? Akron Lanier Watts.
1: A K R O N. Wow, looks like your mom's got a lot in there. Really? Yeah, typical stuff. Doing lots of laundry, cooking, cleaning. And your mom worked part time. She did. Well, it looks like. Wow. What? Your mom also prayed for you. She prayed for me. A lot. (laughs) Well. (laughs) Looks like you picked a good mom
2: Yeah, yeah, I picked it
0: kids were little, Janie was literally running all the time, either running around the house trying to catch the kids or running the kids around to soccer and ballet and gymnastics and music lessons, recitals. You know, you do all of these different things and, and sometimes people don't notice. And, and how many of you ladies ever feel like a fast food cook? You know, the one in the kitchen? When our kids were little, I'm, I'm not kidding, Janie would stand up at some point and she'd say, the kitchen is closed and, and if they didn't like what she fixed, she's like, just, you're on your own. Now we're, we're a little bit different because our kids are older. But she would try to fix something and I would be the only one that would eat it. And, and I learned through 21 years of marriage that you eat whatever she puts in front of you, whether you like it or not, if you're smart. But her kids aren't like that. They're like, ooh, yuck, I don't want to eat that. And they won't even try stuff. And so Janie used to make three or four different things at every meal. And then at some point she would just say, it's closed. You know, and she'd tell a three year old, eat crackers, eat dirt, I don't care. The kitchen is closed. Now, you ladies are invaluable to your families, but not only to the families, you're also invaluable to the church. And I want to read you some verses. Paul wrote some verses to a young pastor named Titus, and he explains to Titus how the church is supposed to work. Here it is in Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. In the same way, teach older women to be holy in their behavior, not speaking against others or enslaved to too much wine, but teaching what is good. Then they can teach the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be wise and pure, to be be good workers at home, to be kind and to yield to their husbands. Then no one will be able to criticize the teaching God gave us. Now, Paul starts off this section and he says, in the same way, and, and I'm always asking, in, in, this, in the same way as what? When I'm reading the Scripture and it says in the same way. So if you go to the two verses before that, it tells Titus, Paul is telling Titus, a young pastor, how he's supposed to train the older men and they're supposed to train the younger men. And so he says, in the same way as the older men are supposed to train the younger men, the older women are supposed to train the younger women. Now, I've often wondered... How how does one go about identifying the older women in the church? Do you say I'd like for all the old ladies to come forward at the end of the service today because I want to teach you a thing or two? Is that what you do? You have a sign-up sheet out there. Would, would all you old ladies go to the back of the room and and sign up because we're going to have an old ladies? Oh well, we we just we're not going to go there. We already did, didn't we? <clears throat> Anyway, verse 4, this is what really sticks out to me. If you look at it again, it says, Then they can teach the young women to love their husbands and to love their children. The older, more mature Christian women are supposed to pour into the lives of the younger Christian women and teach them... Uh, the responsibility of how to be successful wives, mothers, and household managers. This places a huge value on the life experiences that you have if you're an older woman. You're going to have to tell me, though. I'm not going to assume that you're an older woman. You're going to have to tell me that you are one of those. That means that the older you are as a mom, the more experience you have, the more valuable you are in the kingdom of God. With all of our emphasis on, on all of the romantic love, it's hard for us to imagine women not loving their husbands. But you got to remember, when the Bible was written, marriages were arranged. Sometimes you didn't even meet your, your spouse until the wedding night. And so you had to spend years learning to love one another. But from my times of counseling and, and even in casual conversa- uh, conversations, it's, it's kind of evident that romantic feelings of love wear off over time. And that mature love is not what is happening over time. Marriages get in trouble. Some are able to uh, love in spite of all the differences. Some aren't able to do that. Wouldn't it be great if we had this older group of women? They were supplemental moms. Because, let's be honest, not all of us had the greatest mom. We didn't learn everything that we needed to know from all of our moms. What if we had some supplemental moms who had all of this life experience to pour into younger moms, that younger moms could come to them and they could say, how did you make it? Can we talk? Can we have a cup of coffee? That's exactly what God intended the church to be. It's why we do small groups, so that you can get to know people other than just um, people your age, because you need some people who are down the road a little bit from you, who will pour into you. My, My wife was a mama's girl. She absolutely loved her mom. And we watched her for about eight years with Alzheimer's. And and the last few years, she was not even um, able to communicate with Janie. And Janie had this big hole in her heart. And so you know what Janie did instead of whining and complaining? She found two ladies in this church and she said, Would you meet with me on a regular basis? And she would go and have coffee with them. Sometimes it's once a week, sometimes it's once a month. And she would go and she would say, I'm not coming back till we're done. I'd say, yes, ma'am, you do whatever you need to do. And sometimes she wouldn't come back for four or five hours. And when she would come back, she would be so filled with God's grace and God's love. And she would love me better. She would love the kids better. And so the next time she wanted to go meet with these ladies, she called them her mentors because she needed older ladies to pour into her. The next time she'd say, I'd say, baby, you go and you spend all the time you want because she needed that. She didn't get that from her mom. And she needed a supplemental mom to help her. That's what God intended. But now, we can kind of understand this idea of, of maybe not loving their husbands, not knowing how to love their husbands. But surely there's no mom who doesn't love her child, right? I mean, everybody loves them, right? Well, yeah. But since these little darlings come home without any instructions, it's nice to have someone who's already gone through the process teach us how to demonstrate our love to our kids in a way that the kids get it. True love disciplines. True love spends time with the children. True love encourages. True love is patient and kind. It is not boastful or proud. Love never gives up. It is ever hopeful. True love doesn't happen at first sight. True love is developed over a lifetime. Wouldn't it be great if we had a group of supplemental moms whose children were grown, who understood the whole process from birth to letting go And their kids are responsible members of society. They're Christ followers. Wouldn't it be great if we had that group of women available to younger moms to say, how do you do it? Because let's be honest, this is the one job in the world that you don't know for sure how you've done until 18 or 19 years have gone by. We need some supplemental moms. That's the way the church is supposed to work. Single moms the men of this church are supposed to be supplemental dads and and they're supposed to be your brothers and they're supposed to come alongside you and love your kids. Your kids ought to love to come here because the men in this church model Christ's love to their spouses, to their own children, and then it overflows to the rest of the kids around. That's the way the church is supposed to function. Moms, I I look at you as the ultimate servants in our day and time, and I'm using that term in the best possible way, like Christ. From the moment you become pregnant until the moment they leave home, you are sacrificing for the good of that human being, and we just want to salute you today. But I also want to offer this church to, to you to say we want to partner with you because you don't know all the answers, we don't know all the answers, but together we can make it. Sometimes life is too hard, isn't it? Sometimes Janie just needs to cry. And and I'm a big, dumb guy, and so I just let her cry, and I have no clue why she's crying. And I just sit there, and I pat her. Sometimes I'm better than the other. You know, I, I was coughing yesterday. We were at the Rangers game, and I started coughing, and Janie reaches over, and, and Janie's so gentle all the time. You know, what I need is a good whack on the back, you know, to get it going, and she's going... And I'm, I'm barking like a seal. I mean, this is bad stuff. <clears throat> and she's just barely touched me. She goes, is that helpful? I said, yeah, baby, that is really helpful. She's just very gentle. And, but sometimes she needs another woman, a supplemental mom, to come and to say, I know where you are, baby. And it's going to be okay. Life isn't always going to be like this, right? You need that. And that's what the church is designed as. And, and I was reminded recently that, that being a church family is not a Sunday morning deal. I've had phone calls in the middle of the night. Had to take a guy one time to the emergency room at 2 o'clock in the morning. And this is what was funny. He said he started thinking through all of his friends. And he said, well, no, they have to be at work early. They have to be at work early. And he said, well, Doug doesn't work. Let's call the preacher because preachers don't work. And and so that's how I was chosen. But but sometimes you need somebody that you can call in the middle of the night when you don't think you're going to make it through the night because Satan is attacking you, right? We need that. So, you're invaluable. Second, sweet mamas are irreplaceable. Every year, salary.com does this big survey of like 8,000 moms, and they ask moms what they spend their time doing. And then they calculate how much it would cost to pay somebody to do all those things that moms do. And they have things like cook, house cleaner, driver, disciplinarian, tutor, uh, CEO. And and they add up all of the stuff that it would cost, and they run this tab and they say mom, uh, moms are responsible for the mental physical well being of the family. Putting a price on that isn't easy," said the the CEO who does this every year. But we looked at at it as what you would have to pay other people to do the same work the mom if moms weren't there. So stay at home moms, this is what they found out. You spend about 95 hours doing mom-related jobs per week. Now, those of you who go and work, they, they figured out that you do about 58 hours on top of your full-time job. When you get home, you spend another 58 hours. And so it's really funny. You can go through the website and you can see all of the different things that they pay for these different jobs. And so they added up. They added up a stay-at-home mom forty hours of of regular, you know, like nine to five work, and then another fifty-four something hours of overtime. Anybody want to guess what the salary was? Because I actually did this several years ago, but it's it's upped. I looked at it this morning, so I would be fresh up to date. Anybody want to guess how much you should you would have to pay a mom? To do all the things. How much? One hundred five is not bad. One hundred and twelve thousand nine hundred sixty-two dollars to pay her for what the average mom does. And nobody here's average, right? Y'all are all above average, so you're worth more than that. So you just tell him I'm worth more than that. I figured out I've got three hundred fifty thousand dollars of life insurance on my wife. It's not enough. After all the grieving, I've got, you know, maybe two years and and that's done. If I had to pay somebody to do everything my wife does. So we've got to pay more attention and we've got to realize not just think it, but say it that they're irreplaceable and do some things to help them out. Now, because you're irreplaceable, ladies, here's the thing. We want you to occasionally take a break. Genesis 2, 2 says this. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. The first part of the verse says God completed his work. And on the seventh day, he rested. Now, it's interesting um, that that God finishes his work. God didn't have to take a rest, but he did. Now, we know a mom's work is never done, right? But that does not mean she shouldn't take a rest. There's an old proverb that says, you'll break the bow that's always kept bent. Now, I don't know if you've seen the old-timey bows, not the compound bows that we have nowadays, but the old bow. Uh, We watched Dual Survival, and they made a bow the other day, and it was pretty cool. The old-timey bows are made out of wood, and you string them up, and they have to be tight, and you got to be able to pull them so that they can shoot the arrow. The old-timey bows, if you kept the, the, the string on it the whole time, it would actually lose its elasticity, either break or become useless. So they would have to take the string off, let the bow rest, and then it would be more useful the next time when they put the string back on. Well, here's the principle is that if, ladies, you don't ever take a break, you will eventually break down. Even though moms have an unconditional love for their family, occasionally they need a break. And here's a little secret, ladies. Your kids need a break from you too. My kids are teenagers now. And when they were little, you know, Janie and I will take a vacation by ourselves every year and we take a vacation with our kids every year. And when they were little, they would cry, oh, don't leave. It was the hardest thing. Rachel was the worst. She would cry. If I was going to be gone, she would just cry, don't leave. It's just horrible leaving her. Now my kids are teenagers like, when are y'all leaving again? Isn't it time for y'all to go on a vacation? And it's awesome to be apart sometimes and, and it's okay. Your kids will survive. In fact, I'm going to tell you that your kids may not be completely healthy emotionally if you've never been away from them. They need to separate you from for a time. Separate from you. Even if you're a single parent, they need time away and so do you. You'll be a better parent afterwards if you take a break. <clears throat> um, To be at your best, you've got to be refreshed occasionally, and and it's like every week. And so, see, in the Old Testament, what God did was He established the Sabbath day. That was the day that He rested. In the Old Testament, it was Saturday. In the New Testament, because Jesus was raised from the dead, on Sunday, we've moved the Sabbath, the day that we rest and worship and get refreshed, we've moved that to Sunday morning. So, God was so smart that He set aside one day a week that we're supposed to rest and be refreshed. And, and really, in the Old Testament, there's these major festivals. There's seven major festivals. And you know what they are? They're a week where all they do is they rest from their normal, their normal activities. They spend family time and they worship together. God was so smart that he knew that if we always kept our nose to the grind, before we know it, we will miss our children. We'll miss their lives and we won't have poured anything of value into them. All we'll have taught them is that work was more important than them or something else was more important than them. And that's when the family breaks down. So next thing. Sweet mamas are irresistible. <clears throat> now you may not feel like this, ladies. And, and actually we men, we think that you are irresistible. We just don't tell you enough and for that we are wrong. And see, even though you don't look like you did on your wedding day, and by the way, those of you who were here last week, didn't my wife look awesome? Holy cow. She was stunning. I kept telling her that. We had, we had a renewal of vows, and Janie walked down, and she, she had redone her wedding dress. And I hadn't seen it. It was a surprise. And uh, she'd redone it, and she came down. She was flat-out gorgeous. And I I'd had tears, and I'm not that kind of guy, you know, and I almost couldn't go on. She was just stunning. But let me tell you, neither one of us looked the way we did when we got married. (laughs) Right? Praise God she didn't marry me for my hair because she'd be long gone by now. But there are other things about her. She's still beautiful. She still has beautiful eyes. I still like to kiss her. She's a great kisser. Those those things are still there. But there's other things. When, When I watched her take care of my kids, I was attracted to her. When she takes care of me, it attracts me to her. When she listens to me, when she defends me, when she is my partner, it attracts me to her. And I've heard guys in this congregation tell me things that, that attract them to their wives. And I just want to say, guys, tell them. It's not the thought that counts. You need to tell them on a regular basis. When a man stops being attracted to his wife, he has forgotten. He has amnesia. We're so dumb men that sometimes we need to be reminded. And so ladies, here's one, one thing I want to tell you. Remember those things you did to catch him. Do those things to keep him. Now, one of my favorite shows, we used to watch this, when I, when this, when the Cosby show was on, I lived a mile from my brother, I was single, and he has four children, and I used to go over to the house, and they had this big couch, and they would all pile on me, all four of them pile on me, we would watch the Cosby show, and then they would have to get ready for bed, and I'd kiss them, and they'd go to bed, and all this stuff. It was just an awesome thing, and I was thinking, man, I can't wait till I have kids, because it was awesome, I'd have four children piled all, all, on my head, you know, all around, we wanna sit with Uncle Doug, and we would watch the Cosby show. One of my Favorite episodes. I'm going to show you just a little bit, and then we're going to talk about that. Check this out. Claire and, and uh, Cliff go to a motel because she needs a break. Watch this.
1: Cliff,
2: what? Cliff, Claire? Claire. How far apart are they? <laughs> Now, how could you do that? Do, uh, do what? Yeah. You were sleeping. Correction, napping. <laughs> sleeping is under the covers and don't come out till morning. <laughs> napping is on top of the covers, which is over now. This is your idea of a fun evening. You come up here to take a nap? No, my idea of a fun evening is to put my pajamas on, get into bed, and wait six hours for my wife to come out of the bathroom. That bathroom is very nice. It's nicer than our living room. It even has a phone in it. And you can call all the other bathrooms in the hotel. Is that what you did? I didn't think you'd mind the time it took once you saw the finished product. You know you're right. Let's get it on. <laughs> I did you have to say that? Well, you said so, what did I say? Let's get it on. Well, I mean it sounded good to me? Well, that's not a very romantic line. I didn't know this was a script. I thought we were supposed to make it up as we go along. But you could try something like, you know, you look really beautiful this evening. Sure. Okay, so why don't you try that? No.
1: But it's very romantic.
2: Yeah, it's, it's it's romantic if I say it, but it isn't romantic if if you tell me to say it. Well, I was just trying to help. Well, but but I, I don't need your help. <laughs> <laughs> so what do I do? You you let me say, what I want to say. If I let you say it, you are gonna say let's get it on. <laughs> No, 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 no. Let's get it on. Is retired. It's finished. Okay. Okay. All right. (laughs) You like that? Mm -hmm. I made that up. How's that feel? That's pretty enough. Nice. <laughs> Made that up, too, and I'm making up some more. As I go on. You'll pay close attention now. <laughs> more, more. Oh, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Now, you can't brush the. You know something? I love you. Very, very much. It's a privilege to wake up in the morning and see your face. You are my life. And I mean it. Oh, Cliff. Let's get it off. <laughs> I am the one who's supposed to say that. Yes, dear, but you said it too soon. I see. So it's timing, right? Right. Timing. All right. Oh. oh. <laughs> Hello? This better be necessary. <laughs> For you. Hello. Good night, mom. And don't bring up another baby.
0: Sex and romance are supposed to be like this powerful glue that help keep your relationship together, and God designed it that way. We mentioned this verse back in the uh, uh, marriage series, but it's Song of Solomon 8:6. It says, close your heart to every love but mine. Hold no one in your arms but me. And actually, the original language says, set a seal over your heart for every other person to see that I'm the only one that gets to capture your heart. And it says, put a seal on your arm that tells everybody out there that there's one woman for you. Seals in the Old Testament were were marks of ownership, of possession, of affiliation. So Solomon's bride was saying, I don't ever want another girl to capture your heart. I don't want another girl to capture your eye. And see, the the seal was actually twofold. It's kind of like a ring. It's, It's an outward symbol that there's another half to me, and her name is Janie. But it's also reflective of my inner feelings, which last week we stood here and we renewed our vows, and we said, again, you're the only one for me. You're the only one that will make my heart beat faster. And so, guys, here's the deal. When you got married, your flirting days were over, except when you flirt with your wife. You don't want to give anybody any idea that you may be available. And so you put this seal over your heart. You put this seal on your arm and you make your wife feel secure about your love. Romance and sex and all that stuff will take care of itself if you make her feel secure. And we talked about this over and over. I talk about this in weddings. Number one need that a woman has is the security of your love. To know that that no other woman will, will capture your heart or your eye. And and women, remember, we said that the number one need for men is your respect. If you'll respect him, and guys, if you will protect her and make sure she feels safe, then then your love is going to flourish. And that's one of the greatest gifts that you can give to your children. So real quickly, let me give you these three things. How do you communicate that she's irresistible? Guys, this is for you. Pay attention. There's three things. A look of love... I don't think there's ever been any time, whether I was, when I was in youth ministry, been preaching here for 10 years, when, when my wife is in the crowd and she's back there, she's doing her thing with the children. But when she's in here, there's going to be more than once that I look at her and I make eye contact and that's just kind of our deal. And I've, I've preached to, to much larger, larger groups than this and I always find her at some point. In fact, it drives me crazy if I can't find her. I've got to make eye contact with her sometime. That's my, connection with her that no matter what i'm doing she's still the primary relationship in my life and so we got to practice looking at each other and i just want to do this i just want you to if you're sitting near a family member if you're not i don't care just turn and look at somebody near you just just hold their gaze for five seconds do it real quickly come on come on come on some of you couldn't do it could you feels really awkward to look into somebody's eyes (laughs) it's because we don't spend enough time doing that all right, stop it. we got to wrap this up. We're going to get to lunch. i got to go buy some fajita meat. Um, we don't practice looking at each other. Guys are one-dimensional. We look at the TV. We don't even know she's in the room. That's real romantic, guys. Practice looking. in. If, if eyes are the window to the soul, we ought to spend a lot more time looking into each other's eyes. My brother did the premarital counseling before he did uh, my wedding ceremony with Janie. And the first time he met, Janie sat down and talked to her. Because one, one of the sessions, he talked to her, and then I was, I was in the living room, and then we swapped. And, and he goes, dude, did you just fall into her eyes and never get out? And I said, yeah. Basically, that's beautiful blue eyes. But it's not just that they're beautiful. It's the inside. She is one of the kindest, most loyal women I've ever met. And it's one of the things that attracted me to her. And I found that from looking in her eyes. Second is a word of love. Again, your feelings toward another person do not count if you don't say them. You've got to tell people all the time. Janie's taught me so much about, about this with our kids. Her mom told her every day, she said every day she was alive before she went into the, the nursing home, she said, you're beautiful, you're smart, and I'm proud of you. You know what my wife says to my children every night, except for Caleb, she not tell him he's beautiful. Tells him he's handsome. But every night I've heard that. And, and I kind of adopted that. So I tell my girls, you're beautiful, you're smart. What's the other thing I say? And sweet, that's it. Every night, you're beautiful, you're smart, and you're sweet. And I tell my girls, of all the girls, I used to play this game. Hannah was the one that, was, that liked this the most. I used to play this game, and I'd say, of all the girls in the world, for me to choose to be my daughter... You know which one I'd choose every time. And, and we still do this every night. And they'll go, me. And I'll go, you. And when Hannah was little, we'd be sitting in her bed. And and I would just start making up kids, you know. I'd say, that girl, there was a girl lived around the, the corner that was kind of kind of ornery. And I'd say, not her. I wouldn't choose her. And she'd smile and she'd go, who else? And I'd, I'd just start naming kids. I wouldn't choose her. I'd choose I'd go, nope, 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 nope. And then I would point to her and I'd say, I'd choose you. See... We used to tell our wives that, right? We hadn't told them in a long time. And maybe you need to tell them today, guys, that I'd choose you. It's a word of love. I think as our first or second anniversary. I got Janie one of those little precious moments things, and it has the ring, and it's the guy going, I still do. And maybe, guys, you need to tell her, I'd choose you again. I'd do it again. All the time I'm telling Janie, I would go back 21 years ago, and I would marry you again. I would choose you out of all the other women in the world. I would choose you. Third is a touch of love. Janie's a hugger. And sometimes, you know, because I grew up in a family that we weren't. I wanted my family to hug me, and they're like, get over it. I, when I, I when I used to throw up in the middle of the night, I'd come tell mom. I threw up, and she's like, well, clean it up and go back to bed. You know, don't bother me. And so I would. I remember being in there cleaning up and vomiting again, you know, and cleaning up. And I'm going, man, i got to get better at this if I'm going to have to clean it up. I need to... And uh, Janie is just the opposite. She's such a toucher, such a hugger. And sometimes she'll come up she'll say, I need a hug. And and she'll just wrap her arms around me. And, and I've learned not to try to pull away till she's done. It's just not going to work, you know. So you just hold on. But sometimes that 15 seconds of holding her, I can feel my wife, I can feel the stress drain out of her life. And then we'll give her a kiss and she'll walk off and she's happy. And so I try now. I finally clued in, 21 years, I finally clued in and and today I was following her around and she goes, you follow me? I said, I'm trying to give you a hug and she's like, oh, you know, and she jumps up in my arms and she hugs me. Sometimes you just need to touch, you need to hold hands, you need to communicate through touch. So a look, a word and a touch, man, will ramp up the security of your love, guys. So start today.